Hi, welcome to the Curious Not Furious podcast. My name is Louise Brooks. I'm a family advisor, parenting coach, and a mom of two. You've come to the right place if you're looking to grow yourself a bit more as a parent. If you want to understand what might be underneath some of your child's most unwanted behaviors and how you can lose it less. In this space, we take on the hard questions and I offer inspiration and tips and new perspectives that can really help you in your parenting to become a more joyful parent and feel like a sturdy leader. I cannot wait to delve into today's episode with you. Hi, welcome back to the Curious Not Furious podcast. This time I'm sat on a purple kids camping chair in what will be my future bathroom and suite. And around me, I'm certainly not seeing anything that looks remotely like a bathroom. I'm staring more at building materials, some raw walls, good insulation, hence the reason I'm in here, and brand new windows. But apart from that, this room is looking nothing like a sound studio, certainly nothing like a bathroom, but it's a quiet space. And, you know, amen to the podcasters before me and people who have followed since the beginning of their podcasting journey. And I've heard people recording anywhere from broom cupboards to, you know, walk-in closets to cars. I too have been in a car, by the way. So just because life is going on downstairs and people are making noises doesn't mean that it's going to stop me from doing what I'm committed to doing, which is to bring a new episode out to you this week. I think this is a good metaphor for life, right? There's always going to be something in the way and we can always find reasons for why we should wait, why now is not the time. But I have kind of come to a point in my own work-life journey but also my private life where I'm beginning to see through that illusion that it's just excuses, right? If we commit and we commit to doing something on a regular basis, there's so much self-esteem and and self-respect to be gained from standing by the commitments we make to ourselves. So here I am honoring my commitment to myself and to you, dear listener, who some of you have written back to me since my episode launched last week on sibling dynamics. And a number of you were requesting I say a bit more. I got a few specific questions and and a lot of feedback about how this resonated and how it felt very helpful to have some more nuanced perspective on what the sibling dynamic really is all about. A lot of you were writing to say that you never really thought of a sibling dynamic as being a unique relationship that's qualitatively different to that of a friendship. And the reason that's really good to know is, of course, that sometimes when we respond to our siblings fighting, many of us do so out of a fear that what they do with their sibling, they're going to go and repeat in the playground or in their friendships, when actually there is a natural law that applies to sibling relationship that sort of, without even needing to say it, stays within the sibling realm. And that can be a good thing to lean into and have a little bit of faith in. That's not to say that we don't need to set boundaries and that we don't need to keep our siblings safe from any harm or hurt or shame-inducing behaviors that their siblings are engaged in with them. This brings me to what today's topic is going to be about because I shared three distinct tips last episode on how we can help our kids 
nurture a, a loving and good relationship and how we can reduce some of the sibling rivalry that can take place from a number of different reasons and a number of different sort of uh, periods of time in our sibling's journey. And if you haven't already, I suggest you go back and, and listen to that episode. You might want to revisit it if you have listened to it a while back. But today's episode, I want to say something specifically to do with safety and shame and boundaries. Perhaps you've got a sibling yourself. And if you do, I urge you to think back, sort of just do a brief scan of your childhood and all the memories that come to mind of situations that you have been in with your sibling and what you've been privy to about your sibling. Things you've witnessed, maybe them not getting picked for a football team or coming home with a terrible report card or falling out with your parents or being disciplined by a parent, or breaking promises to authority figures, or gaining weight, losing weight, developing a problem, an addiction, a mental health issue, getting pimples, you know, whatever it is, that's all part of growing up and learning how to do life and become a, a an adult, that whole long journey of 18 plus years that we've kind of been around our siblings. I hope you get a flavor of the fact that you have seen and borne witness to so much in your sibling and vice versa that you could really, if you really wanted to, you could really betray that trust and cause a lot of hurt and cause a lot of harm. In last week's episode, I spoke at length about how as parents we do well to count to three before we interfere in our kids' day-to-day fights. How we lean into a little bit more trust and take a back seat and be more anticipatory as opposed to just flying in there with our refereeing jumper on, handing out yellow or green or red cards um, and blow a whistle at their every run-in with each other. That saves ourselves a lot of energy. We spare our sanity. And also we show our kids that we have faith in their ability to work things out. This is not to say that we let go with both hands, we leave them to it, and we never interfere. All too often as human beings, we have a tendency to go into the all or nothing. So we think, okay, well, you're on your own then, or we are on them 100%. As with most things, maybe you find that as well. This is certainly the case for me, that there is something very magical about the word balance for me. Balance is often the hardest thing to achieve which is this thing of being able to be flexible about our approach. And what I really want to stress in today's episode is the importance of us not letting go with both hands when it comes to our siblings' interactions with each other, but being a bit of a background listener, observing, picking up tones, picking up patterns in their behaviors, picking up over maybe longer period of time than just the occasional you find one child on top of the other and it looks like one is the perpetrator and the other one is the victim, but looking at trends over time and beginning to see, hmm, what's happening in this relationship? Is there something about the way my kids fight and the things that they hurt each other with, verbally perhaps, 
or the fact that one is always being the antagonized and the other one is the antagonizer. If that's the case, it's a really good idea to start paying attention to those trends and know that this is where we are absolutely essential in terms of keeping the relationship a safe space, despite their occasional digs at each other and their natural run-ins with each other on a perhaps a daily, if not hourly basis. There is a very important distinction to make. It's not about necessarily the frequency of their run-ins with each other, but about the way that they fight, what is being said, what weapons are being used. And if we're not careful as parents to stop those things in their tracks, what we end up with, worst case scenario, are children who actually bear these these hurts or these shame spots with them well into adulthood. Because so much of our understanding of ourselves is born out of who we were in relation to our sibling. Depending on our sibling order, depending on how our sibling viewed us, and depending on how that was responded to by our parents. So that is a responsibility of ours as parents that we ought to really take on us and work out what we're going to do about whenever we come into contact with some of those things. But in order to do that, we need to understand what is classed as one of those red flags. What could that look like? Let me give you an example. Say you have friends over who have children your kids' ages, and your kids are all playing, it's all going well, and all of a sudden you see one of your children looking very hurt, maybe coming to you directly to get some comfort and is sharing with you that mean things have been said about them by their sibling. That their sibling, in an attempt to appear cool and interesting and, you know, wanting to make quick friends and connect with this other group of kids, have betrayed their sibling's trust by maybe divulging things that were not really privy to other people. Things that belongs inside the, the, the four walls of our house and are not really public knowledge, not something that we share with other people without the consent of that person. And this could include things like your child has trouble at school or your child has got a reading disability or a learning disability or, or can't sleep in their own bed at night. Whatever it is of that kind of sensitive nature that we could class as confidential. If trust is betrayed and your children are starting to use what they've got on each other in order to get them somewhere, that is where we as parents need to be vigilant. We need to pay attention and we need to interfere. That's absolutely a place where I would want to interfere. Because if this goes left unchecked, this becomes not just a one-off, but potentially part of a bigger problem, a trend, a way of feeling like we got to fend for ourselves. We need to put our game face on even in our own household because it no longer feels safe to be vulnerable with each other and to be truly seen. And it is incredibly exhausting for any of us if we need to worry that the game face we put on out there in the world is also a mask that we need to put on permanently in our own house. That is not going to be conducive to good mental health. And while a young child might not have the language for it and would have the ability to say, I feel like you failed me, mom and dad, there will likely be a sense that I can't trust the world. I can't trust people. And the people that were supposed to take care of me actually didn't stand up for me in times of need. So long term, we can speculate what this creates in the adult 
version of someone who's gone through that. You may well have gone through that yourself. And maybe that has put a permanent rift between you and your sibling or you and your parents or just become internalized as a sense of I can't trust. I better armor up all the time. I better protect myself because doing the opposite always backfires. So think about that for a moment, what your own relationship is to those kinds of situations where as a child you really needed a parent to step in and set some firm boundaries and make sure everyone we kept safe. This is the same culture that also breeds bullying in schools, in classrooms, in any organization, really also in adult setting organizations where these kinds of behaviors go left unchecked where we speak about other people in derogatory ways or we reveal and abuse knowledge we have about people's vulnerabilities, people's private lives, and use them for our own benefit. What needs to be said here is that the sibling who may have done this may not have done it from a malicious place at all. Rarely do these things come from a place of, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and completely humiliate my brother or my sister because I take great pleasure in that. Children often do this simply because they reach for the lowest hanging branch in moments where they feel maybe desperate to fit in. And what better, more enticing branch to reach than the one that you know you could use anytime to get maybe a laugh, such as humiliating your brother or your sister. So what can we do about this as a parent? What would interference look like? And maybe what would be a good idea to abstain from? I would also always say as a rule of thumb, when you address your child in public, in front of their friends, you've got to be very careful not to do so, so it induces shame. Tempting as it is to maybe tell off in front of other people so that they can learn a lesson and they can feel bad about themselves, the psychology actually works the other way around, that when we've been shamed and made to feel bad about ourselves, what happens is we don't go out and act better. When we feel worse as children, we act worse. So show your child the mutual respect that you would like your child to embody with their sibling as well and, and resist the temptation to induce humiliation. What we can do instead is we can call our own kids over to a quieter corner of the place we're at and say, hey, it looks like we need to have a little chat and remind ourselves of what's okay and what's not okay. That's an easier way of talking about boundaries, what's okay and what isn't okay. And maybe rather than me giving you a script about what exactly to say, because you know exactly how to talk to your own child, I know that when we understand what it is we believe about the situation, the words are going to come out in a way that's right for you and sits really well and makes an impression on your child. So let's just be clear, when a child, when your child does something like this, it's not motivated generally by a desire to be mean and a desire to hurt. And even if it is, I would still recommend that you muster your most generous interpretation of the situation because it always makes better sense and it always gets you better outcomes. And you ask yourself, okay, if this happened... It is most likely because my child felt on the outside and felt like they really wanted to fit in. Do I know that feeling? Yeah, I do. Have I ever been sitting in a situation 
amongst other friends and suddenly the conversation starts being on friends mutual friends of ours and someone starts slacking off one of our mutual friends and I chip in because I don't want to miss out on connection absolutely does this make it right no but understanding what is motivating this type of behavior just means that rather than losing our temper over it we are able to we're able to address this from a place of both empathy but also from a very clear perspective of this is unacceptable this is not what we do in our family maybe you're clear on what your family is all about maybe you are already really rooted in what you stand for and how you take care of each other as a family and you send your kids out in the world taking care of each other standing up for each other or at the very least reporting back to the parents if there's any issues with their sibling so a distinction i quite often make for my kids if they are out and about with other children as well is that you don't need to necessarily play with each other but i expect of you to come back and tell us if any of you are in pain or hurting or need help These are basic principles that we can absolutely if you feel like these resonate with you that you can absolutely begin to drum into your children from a young age. And what works really well is if you're about to go somewhere where you know this could maybe be an issue where there's a age difference between the the other children there that there might be potential for one of your siblings to feel like a little bit of a someone on the outside. You may want to say I don't expect you to constantly play with your sibling. but i do expect that you are going to treat your sibling nice that you're going to stand up for your sibling if ever they need you and that you're going to look after each other and this is whether it's the youngest or the oldest and just having that expectation made very clear we don't need to tell off ahead of time we don't need to scold anything anyone for something they haven't yet done we just remind gently remind what we're expecting about the upcoming situation What this does is it communicates that we care about you and that they belong to a group of people who have each other's back. And knowing that, it can be immensely easier to go out in the world and experience hurt and successes and failures and try and fall on our face and not belong and not fit in, knowing that when I come home, there's people who care about you, people who's got your back. people with whom you can take your game face off and let your armor down and that is all we actually need so it's been found that those children who have had a childhood of bullying and exclusion have been able to recover and heal from that trauma in as much as they've had just one person who believed them who had their back and who didn't judge them in this way and similarly When you think of your family as your safety net, your safe space to return to, you are even in that rhetoric, in that way of talking about your family, you're kind of fortifying this unity that you have together by sending your children out there in the world with a sense that we've got each other's backs in this family. So that would be an example of where I would absolutely encourage you to step in, to interfere, and to get. to the bottom of what's going on and really help your children add what the situation needs remind your children of the guiding principles the guiding values for your family and become mindful of your values and take a more long-term view in in how you approach the situation 
So while on the whole, for the majority of the time, the types of run-ins and encounters our kids are having with each other fall under the category of what we would class as normal sibling squabbles. And those situations don't require so much of our, you know, incensed energy. What we need to pay attention to are those situations where we find that our children are abusing the information they have on one another, where there's potential for shame to grow and where there's potential for and real long-term hurt inflicted by what the other person is saying or doing. Those are the situations where children cannot manage changing the situation by themselves without the help of us who can see things from a different vantage point. You might wonder to yourself, so what about the physical fights? What about when they are at each other's throats and they're throwing a punch or they are running after each other or or really wrestling on the floor or doing something that just looks like it's not how you would want them to interact with their friends? Rule of thumb, children tend to only do this with their siblings. I like to think of of nature, examples we see in nature. So I personally just picked up a a puppy uh, from a litter of another seven dogs. And it was clear to me that that's part of how they relate to each other. They chase, they lash out, they bite, they do all sorts of things that can look a little bit aggressive on the outside, but is actually within within the confines of their relationship that is that feels good for both parties even though sometimes a little bit they may cross a limit and they may do a little bit too much to each other what again we need to pay attention to is what is my limit for what's okay and what are my children's limit for what's okay you may have grown up with a same-sex sibling so say you're a woman and I'm going to be very gendered right here say you're a woman you grew up with a sister most likely there's not been a whole lot of physical fighting between the two of you. There may have been, but on the whole, I would argue that most of us who have had a sister growing up with have maybe not been so accustomed to that side of the relationship that's very physical in a, in a physical sort of banter way. Therefore, if we end up having two boys, or if we have a boy and a girl, and we see a lot more physical activity and a lot more physical expression with each other, where they take things right to the limit, it can feel upsetting. It's very useful to just ask yourself, is anyone hurt here? Are they, are they actually suffering? Is this on some level good for both parties? Are they drawn to each other like a magnet because this is how they express themselves and nine times out of ten everyone's okay? Is my word of caution always needed and my judgment of the situation always needed in order for them to calm down? Or what would happen if I said maybe 50% of what I'm currently saying? Of course, if you do see that your siblings, your children are constantly at each other's throat physically, and when they do, it it goes very ugly and it takes a very aggressive turn and one is forever coming out scathed or hurt and crying and it tends to be the same person every time this again would warrant maybe a red flag this this would maybe be where you would need to step forward get to the bottom of what might be going on what's going on for the child who's constantly finding he's being hurt physically and what's going on for the sibling who's constantly hurting what's going on at their school 
what position does that child find themselves in in friendships? So what children do naturally without necessarily ever any conscious thought is if they find themselves insecure, uncertain of their role in the hierarchy of friendships at school is they may come home and exercise some dominance over a sibling who can't fend as easily for themselves or where the consequences of wrongdoing are not as great as they would be in a friendship environment. So again, I would always encourage that you apply your curiosity as opposed to the just going into straight fury and judgment and shaming. Because with those qualities, with the quality of curiosity, we're able to see bigger picture. And that's what we always aim to do when we're trying to eliminate unwanted behaviors. This concludes today's episode of the Curious Not Furious podcast. I hope that you have a clearer sense by now that the sibling relationship is a volatile one and that there is a lot of situations where we can take a step back but that there are there is real value in paying attention to trends paying attention to roles that your siblings have fallen into and whether those roles are actually serving them i want to leave you with this for this episode and i hope it's been useful i hope there's something here that you feel resonates with your family and remember as always curious instead of furious it gets us new places every time and i look forward to connecting with you again in the next episode <laughs>